We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pacers will run out the clock as they defeat the Knicks for the second time in three meetings this season. The final score, Indiana 122 and the Knicks 102. All right. That was fun. Um, Knicks blown out, lose by 22 um, in Indianapolis. Um on the second night of back-to-back. And I do think it's important to mention at the top, it was the second night of back-to-back. You know, different time zone. Uh, Somebody replied to one of my tweets earlier tonight um, in which I was was ragging on Fournier, which we're going to talk about Evan in a bit. But, you know, somebody uh, mentioned, like, they all look a step slow tonight or they all look tired tonight. Um, and they played like a tired team. They look like a tired team. They played like a tired team. You know, at the same time, last season was a condensed schedule, obviously. Um, you know, there were back-to-backs. There was a lot of – it was just – it was a tight, tight, tight schedule. And the Knicks' identity, you know, in a league where there was a lot of uncertainty and there was a lot of ups and downs and – you know, there was a lot of inconsistency between teams. The Knicks' identity was as a team who, you know, no matter who they were playing, with a couple of exceptions, like the Denver games comes to mind, the Suns game comes to mind. I'm talking about last season. Uh, maybe a couple others. They were always a team who made you earn it. Very, very few blowouts after they, you know, after they got going over the first few weeks. And they had an identity to hang their head on. Um, And that identity obviously was defense. Offense was painful at times. Didn't always work, which is why they tried to make the offseason moves that they, they made. And that identity, you know, even great win last night, right? Wonderful win. They shot the lights out of the ball. RJ obviously couldn't miss from deep, but even in that game against the San Antonio Spurs, who are not a great offensive team, they gave up, Whatever they gave up, 109 or 110 points. Um, yeah, good good first Super Chat comment here. Biological GOAT. We just got blown out by a team that's about to blow it up. That, that, says, a, that says a lot right there. And it's funny because at the like literally the very first couple of minutes of this game, the way the Pacers were, were going about their business, 
I was like, oh, this is a team that we, we could get this team tonight. They, they don't seem to have it. I'm talking about literally the first like three or four possessions. And then the rest of the game happened. But, you know, the Knicks had that identity. And no matter what happened, they were one of the, you know, 10 or 12 teams in the league that knew exactly what they were. And they were going to give you a repeatable formula every night. And, um, again, that identity is, is gone. Um, they no longer have that defensive identity. We've seen signs of it this year. Um, and tonight, again, if they had that identity still, you would have figured they probably wouldn't have won this game. It would have been a close game. And it wasn't a close game. It was a game that got away from them. And look, we could blame individual players. I thought, I thought Evan Fournier played arguably the worst game that any Nick has played this season. And it was on par with some of the more frustrating Alfred Payton games of last season. That's how bad Evan Fournier was. Evan Fournier, like, oh, like again, Mitchell Robinson, a shell of what he was last night, in the first half at least, was not moving well. Some clips going around on, on Twitter just make it obvious. He just – it's so in and out with him. I don't know if he was tired or what. Was not the same player. I thought RJ for as nice an offensive game as RJ had, which we'll get to that too. I thought defensively he he was he was not great. Oddly enough, I actually thought Randall didn't have a perfect game. He turned the ball over too much. He had a couple, of, a couple too many ISOs. Um, maybe at not the best times, but I actually thought Randall and he shot six for 18, which not what you want. I actually thought his defense was okay. Um, you know, Burks, I thought competed defensively. I thought Rose, you know, competed defensively. Um, quickly had a rough night defensively. Again, it was like, there was, it wasn't just Fournier, but man, if there was an avatar for for if there was an avatar for their issues in this game, and I hate I, I just I don't know how else to say it. If there's an avatar for their issues this season, I think it's it's Evan Fournier because again, what are the changes? They took out Reggie Bullock and they put in Evan Fournier. And Reggie Bullock was a guy who was a very limited offensive player, and no team with Reggie Bullock as their starting two guard or starting three or whatever is ever going to win anything because he's just not that diverse of a player. But in sacrificing the defense for offense, has Fournier been a better offensive player than Reggie Bullock this year? Yeah, he actually has been. He had a terrible night tonight, but he's been, he's been, he's been fine offensively. Um, you know, even tonight, he was two for six for seven points. Could do worse. But in, in swapping out that, that, that move, and, and if you want to throw Kemba in here too, that's fine. Um, Obviously, benching Kemba has not gotten them back that defensive identity. So for as much as we can sit here and blame Kemba for a lot of the issues or some of the issues, certainly not all on him either. Um, what the moves they made, the some and maybe it's not just the moves they made. Um, you know, it, it, you know, can, can you can you can you keep up that level of intensity multiple years in a row? Um, some guys have. Other guys have not. But whatever it is, I think they're still searching to get back that identity. I think that's where, you know, 
the, the lineup changes have come from. I wouldn't be surprised if there were more lineup changes on the way. Although with Fournier, his contract makes it touchy because I guarantee you the front office is um, planning, and I've said that on here multiple times, front office is planning to use that money in a deal. And to get Fournier, they needed to give him three guaranteed years, and you can't just can't just stick that on the bench. You got to try to keep Fournier's value to the point where if a team has to take that money on, they might hold their nose a little bit at it. But ultimately, they'll be like, all right, he's a guy who can give us points. And, you know, in a perfect world, he's probably coming off your bench. I don't want to go too down too far down that rabbit hole. But, um, you know, I think for me, that's my takeaway tonight. Yes, second night of a back to back. Yes, that is part of the excuse. No, they didn't really have it. Um, but you know, just time and time again this year, when because when you don't have when you don't have that identity to fall back on every night, you cease to become a borderline top ten team, and you fall into that next group, which is where the Knicks are. They're in that you know whatever you want to call it nine to twenty two range. I don't I don't know the whole the rest of the league where some nights you hit, some nights you miss. A lot of it's depending on shooting, and tonight the Knicks, sure enough, went 9 of 30 from 3 um, and 41.9% overall. They could not hit a blessed thing tonight, and that had a lot to do with it. You know, and, and again, I don't, I'm not even going to say it was it was an effort thing because, like, they they got 36 rebounds. The, the rebounding edge was, was pretty even until the very end. Pacers ended up with 42. You know, they – guys battled, I think, for the most part. I didn't see – I mean, there were definitely some defensive breakdowns involving Mitchell Robinson in particular, and, and again, Fournier had a, a handful that were just – I mean, my God. Um, but, like, a lot of guys were just guys getting beat. Um, it's uh, it's tough right now. I don't know that they could find it with this roster. Hopefully they can. We'll see what happens, um, and hopefully they have a better night on Friday because I think, again, it seems like we say this every other game. It's a big game on Friday night. They're a game under 500. You don't want <laughs> you don't want, you're welcome, Jeremy. Uh, you, you don't want to go two games under 500 with back to back games coming up against the Warriors and the Bucks or Bucks and Warriors, I guess. Um. So yeah, that's where I'm at. All right, let's get to the super chats. Hush Zoo. Um, I know it was a back-to-back, but no excuse for Randall to chuck up all the shots in the second, icing out RJ. That's where we're going tonight? Okay. Uh, at least Turner, the Knicks tryout went really well. Um, I, I, I can't, I can't with the, the icing stuff. Um, I think the Knicks have an imperfect offense and I think the Knicks are playing right now without a point guard other than Derrick Rose. And, and, you know, Derrick Rose is not. You know, as you saw tonight, as you see, Derrick Rose is more in there for Derrick Rose's offense. And he can – he uh, he can obviously make – he's the best passer on the team. He had another whip pass tonight that I thought was great for an RJ3. Um, he obviously – he's been the best player on the team, soup to nuts, game one to game 25. Um, but he's not even – the guy who's going to organize your offense. So what happens? So Julius Randle's attempt to organize your offense. And sometimes Julius Randle's going to take too many shots. The notion that he was icing out RJ Barrett. I mean, come on. I, I can't with that tonight. Um, could they have made a, a, a collective effort to get RJ the ball more after he started out? Well, sure. But like, I, 
you know, it's what happens when you don't have a point guard and you rely on a power forward to direct your offense. Sometimes you're going to get moments like this. Um, Randall was shooting really well in the first half. I don't think he made a field goal in the second half. Um, you know, RJ ended up five for 12. Should have taken a few more shots for sure. That's about it. Uh, G Beers, problem with the Knicks pick and roll is the screen setter is never a threat to score, uh, except Julius. The ball handler has to be two defenders to get to the rim. Needs scoring from the center, 100%. The fact that the Knicks have two centers in Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel, and and my God, we you know we've we've all had uh, a lot of good times pinpointing a moment here or a moment there where Mitchell Robinson will fling a pass or like take a couple dribbles and do something. He just is not a guy who could do anything on the offensive end. And when you and when you other than put back dunk and and, and alley oops. And when you compare him to an, tonight to a guy like Miles Turner, who put the ball on the floor repeatedly to say nothing of the fact that he was doing what he was doing from downtown. And I'm not even going to bring up Nolan Zoell on offense. Um, you know, Taj didn't really do much on offense. I love Taj, but he, you know, wasn't really helping them either. It is really tough to to do anything um, on offense with that pick and roll game when your offensive center, when your center is on offense, just don't do much. Which is why, by the way, I'm fairly certain we got more minutes of Randall and Obi together in this game than we've gotten at any game um, since they've been teammates. I, and I don't think that's an accident. I, I still believe that Tibbs thinks that that is a way that he could go and that it will help them. I don't know that tonight was necessarily the sample size that we're looking for. In, uh, you know, again, because they just the whole team didn't have it tonight and nobody was hitting shots. But I don't think that was an accident that he went went to that lineup in both halves. I think he's curious about it and intrigued by it. So, um, And again, it's not about necessarily getting a scoring center. It's about getting a center who just is not a complete zero um, when he has the ball. Like, there was one moment they threw the ball to, to Mitch and he had 10, 12 feet away from the basket on the, on the baseline. And he just like caught it. Nobody was anywhere near him. And he just he passed it. You know, it, it's just, that's, that's really tough. Um, Lunas, MRI, Noel and uh, Evan Fournier trying to compete for who had the worst, who has the worst contract. Um, also felt RJ deserved more touches. Obviously he shot well, but I thought he made some great passes. Yeah, I, I agree that he deserved more touches. I agree it was a, a flaw in the offense tonight that he did not get more shots. Um, but I just I, I push back against the notion that it was some kind of like intentional freezing out. Like I don't I don't think we have any evidence that that's what happened. As for the contracts, look, Noel signed for two years and like essentially eighteen million dollars because his his bonuses have at this point become unlikely. Um, that's it's salary filler. He's a he's a solid backup center in the NBA. Can you get those guys for cheaper than nine million dollars? Yes. Noel has also shown the ability to fill in as a starter. He's not right physically. Where his physical issues are and and will they continue? I don't know. If he's right physically, he's kind of worth the money. As for Fournier, I mean it's it's tough to say, but the contract is for as much as again. And we're going to talk about this on this week's um, podcast with Jeremy Cohen. 
it is a useful contract. There's a reason they made the contract the way that it is. But he needs to play to a certain level to um, at least not make it. It's not, like no contract that's for 17 or 18 million dollars a year is going to be an albatross. Not the way guys are paid in the NBA today. You know, if Andrew Wiggins could get moved at 30 million, you know, and he's become a better player since he got moved. Um, Evan Fournier could get moved at 17 million, especially when he's only got two years left after this one. Um, that said, it is not a well, certainly not a value contract. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Delsky. Potential, but Evan plays like a dead man. Yeah, it was, it was his worst game of the year. It was his worst game I've ever seen him play, probably. Um, I just, but again... Second night of back to back, I just why did it affect him more than everybody else? I mean, Chris Duarte absolutely ate his lunch, and it wasn't just that; it was him. His man shot. He had a he had a his guy was in the corner on one play in the first half, and he went over to help middle, and then the, the ball kicked out to the corner, and the guy shot it and made it. I forget who it was, and he looked around with his hands up like, "Who was supposed to cover? You were supposed to cover, you fucking asshole." I, I don't know whether it's confusion with the scheme and they need more time, it, it, but it, really frustrating night from Fournier and um, just not a, does not seem like a guy who's a, he's a winning player. Um, G beers said last night, RJ needs 24 points per game. What I meant was the team is better when Jude defers and spaces the floor. 
Uh, team counted on RJ improvement this year to 20 points per game. Yeah, I agree with you. I, li- I love the version of the team that we saw last night. The version of the team that we saw last night was also everybody hitting threes. That's not always going to happen. Um, here's the problem with, with saying that the offense needs to go through RJ Barrett. And we saw it again tonight. He was three of five from deep and he was five for 12 overall, which means he was two for seven from two point range. He was four for 12 from two point range last night, which means over the last two games, he was six for 19 inside the arc. He had a couple of nice moves in both games. He had one really nice one tonight, six out. Yeah, I think he had one other one that, that I'm vaguely remembering. R.J. Barrett inside the arc is not a player that you can build your offense around in any way, shape, or form. It is great, and it is a boon for their offense that his three-point shot has come back. That is a necessary thing. He is someone that can attack closeouts. He is someone I still believe in him in transition, the one where Turner swatted his shit. Turner came from behind. I thought R.J. did a good job manipulating Sabonis' coverage. I don't really put that on R.J., but he just still has too many drives where it's nothing doing and he gets blocked or he misses or whatever, or he doesn't draw a foul that will come. This is not being critical of RJ Barrett, long-term cornerstone piece for the Knicks. This is merely me just saying to say that the Knicks need to run their offense or like dictate their offense around getting RJ Barrett opportunities inside the arc. That I disagree with because I think his best use right now is what we saw him over the course of the last, basically all of last season, a floor spacer, Get him out and transition when you can. Get him on the move. Get him in space. Um, you know, anything like that. Um, and get him – and one more thing. Get him matched up on smaller guards where you don't have a center also camped out in the paint ready to block him. We saw him take advantage of a of – a, um, uh, who was it? Brogdon, I think, was guarding him on one possession, and he took advantage of that. Get more of those switches. But that's not always so easy because R.J. Barrett doesn't have the handle to to force a defense to switch, and he still doesn't have the pull-up game to force a defense to switch. These are all things he needs to work on. And I'm not saying he can't get better at them. He will get better at them. But it's just not quite there right now. Um, Jason M., what's going on, Jason? Not mad at the players except Fournier. They were exhausted. But Tibbs should have played McBride and Grimes. They had fresh legs. He's too stubborn. I agree with that comment tonight. I was very surprised, and I, I was shocked. Um, I said at halftime, I predicted I thought we'd see Grimes. We didn't see Grimes until, obviously, garbage time. I would have liked to see that, um, specifically in place of Fournier. You know, but again, he's got a locker room to worry about. He's got a front office that just invested a lot of money in this player to worry about. All of us would have loved to see Quentin Grimes check in for Fournier after two, three minutes of the second half or out of halftime, whatever. Um, it's not always that simple, but I, I had the exact same thought as you. I, I thought if there was ever a night to go to those kids, it was tonight. Uh, WG, how much longer to the front office make some changes? This team doesn't even look like a playing team right now. No energy, no closer, chemistry lacks. Um, again, I, I would caution for as much as I spoke about what I spoke about at the start, I would caution about making too many judgments off of this game. Uh, they are a team that is a game under 500. They are, I know they're 11th in the the East. Um, it looks bad. They're, you know, like the 20th best team in the league right now. Um, 
they probably have about the 20th best talent in the league right now. Last year, they outkicked their coverage with the talent. This year, they're not doing so. The pieces are not greater than the – or the hole is not greater than some of the parts. But I think in terms of making changes, they were never winning anything this year. For anybody who thought that Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier were going to magically turn them into a threat to, like, make a conference finals or something, I'm sorry, but that was never going to happen. Um, this front office, I believe, uh, is patient and has always had its eyes on the bigger prize, which is why they signed the contracts. This, this, the contracts they signed, yes, they thought it would help the continuity and, and bring back a lot of the good vibes and the good juju from last season which has gone by the wayside a little bit. And that is certainly an issue, but it's more about the types of contracts they sign and the, and the money and how those, how those deals can function in, in larger trades. Um, but they will not panic. They are not going to make trades this season to win, you know, five more games or something, unless they really think, unless they really think that it'll help them potentially long-term. Um, which I think Turner, they think, could be a piece long-term. And I think they're going to make a play for Turner. Um, but in terms of, like, you know, mortgaging off pieces or going crazy or being irresponsible, I don't think they're going to do that. Um, Nick G, don't know if I can take another two years of Fournier. He's useless when he's not scoring. Completely agree with that. He is, he is maddening in how little he offers you when he is not scoring. Absolutely maddening. Um, uh, uh, Duarte took his lunch tonight. Yeah, completely agree. Um, I don't think he's going to be here after this year. That's my prediction. Uh, Very grateful. If we aren't a 500 team, if we are a 500 team, I'm not mad. We aren't hamstrung by bad contracts long term. And I don't think there was a path to a chip through free agency. Oh, God, no. Um, how would you like to have Kyle Lowry at $30 million a year for three years on this team? Um, you know, again, there were moves that they could have made and we could quibble. I think, you know, Lonzo is the most obvious one. DeRozan, I'm not going to get into DeRozan. I, I spent way too much time last season saying that I wanted DeRozan on this team and everybody got mad at me. Um, yeah, I, I think that, look, they're in no – well – they're not in as good a position as they were last year because I think RJ's value as of right now, a little bit lower. Like Quickly's value is higher. Quickly has a nice value. I think Obi's value is higher. Mitch's value is probably a little lower, although I don't know. I don't I don't even know what Mitch's value is. Um and then in terms of the movable money, I mean I don't think there's a team in the league that wouldn't love Alec Burks. There's not a team in the league that wouldn't love Derek Rose. Noel, again, it's so little money for what he is. I think that's fine. The only one that's really rough is Fournier. It just, you know, we've been saying it for two years. It's just going to be who wants to come here? When do they want to come here? Is it the right move? What do you have to give up? You know, I'm not, I don't want to get into the Dame thing tonight. I talked about the Dame thing the other night. Um, I don't think that's the move. Uh, but they're in, they're in a fine spot. You know, they just they can't let this thing fall off a cliff which I think after the Denver game, we were worried it was going to fall off a cliff. I'm not as worried after this game. I know they got blown out. I am very curious to see how they come out on on Friday against a Toronto team that has been putrid defensively for a while now, and they should beat that Toronto team. Um, Again, 
we go game to game here. You know, welcome to mediocrity in the NBA. Pastor Claudio's Obi Hive. Let the kids drive the car free, Obi. Uh, so let's check in on our Obi stat line tonight. I'm going to guess Obi played 17 minutes. Ah, it was off. He was 20 minutes. Played 20. He was six for nine for 13 points. Um, he was the only Nick who had, I believe, above a 50% uh, shooting from the field. Yes, he was. Uh, you know, had a couple moments defensively that weren't great. Uh, loved what we saw from Obi Toppin. Um, I just, man, if he rolls out a starting lineup with Obi and Julius together, I will have so much. I have, I have all the respect in the world for Tom Thibodeau. I will have even more. Um, telling you, we'll see. Wouldn't be crazy. Uh, Aussie Knicks fan. Don't think we would get a half drunk can of Coke for Fournier right now. It's not about getting anything for him. It's about finding someone who wants him and will deal with him and thinks that, like, okay, on our team, he could look good enough to either, A, help us, or, B, we can move him for whatever else. Again, it's not like – here's the comp I'll make, and I'm going to look up. I think <laughs> – I'm not reading that, Andrew. Um, I'm gonna. I think Torian Prince makes fourteen million dollars. Does that sound about right? Twelve and a half. Torian Prince signed a two-year, twenty-five million dollar uh, extension, and before that, I think that was yeah, that was his rookie extension. He's been moved, you know, a few times. That's a $13 million a year player. Like, there aren't a lot of salaries in that range. I really don't think they're going to have that much trouble moving the Fournier contract if and when the time comes. I think it'll come. You look at the deals get that get moved in this league. And, again, teams – the, the good news is that contracts are so short and free agency is dead this year anyway. Uh, so really, you're kind of only talking about that like last year. Um, teams want the picks or, or and or the young player. They'll deal with the salary. I'm not I'm not as as worried. What do you hope they move them for? Big response next game, please. Uh, what do I hope they move them for? I don't really. I don't. I'm not. I'm not dying to move Fournier right now. Just let him come stay here and and play better. That's what Evan Fournier needs to do. Kevin Danishevsky, mad at Tibbs for not playing Grimes till the end. Uh, Obi Burks brought energy. Nobody else really did. Uh, I thought Rose brought it on the defensive end a little bit from what I could tell. Um, and quickly he was trying. He was just getting beat. Uh, start IQ over Fournier, though. I, IQ didn't play well tonight. He plays well, but he doesn't shoot well, unlike everybody else. Yeah, I think quickly was – he did hit a three towards the end there. Um Oh, did I lose my box score? I think I lost my box score. Uh, quickly was 5 of 12 from the field tonight, 1 of 5 from deep, uh, 11 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. Yeah, I thought, you know, quickly played okay. Um, would I start quickly? I'm telling you, man, if he takes 48 out of the starting lineup, I, I would I'll say it again. I would put Grimes in there. I know I'm insane. Deron, visual variant. What's going on, Deron? Everyone is saying Turner – to be honest, the player I want most from that roster is Brogdon. I would love Malcolm Brogdon on this team. I think Malcolm Brogdon 
is a good player. I think he's getting paid a fair amount of money, which is why the uh, Pacers signed him to an extension this summer, and thereby they cannot trade him until next summer, unfortunately. But I like Malcolm Brogdon. I think he's a good player. Drew P, trade for Cat. Um, I don't know if the Minnesota Timberwolves with – do they have – I think they have a top 10 net rating right now. Um, they have a, they're in playoff position with the best season that, or, or a season that they could feel better about right now than any season they've been able to, to feel anything about in several years. I don't think they're itching to trade Carl Anthony Towns today, maybe tomorrow. We'll check back tomorrow. Um, hang on, catching up here. Uh, oh, Jesus. Okay. Here we go. There we go. We're back on. Okay. Emil Beaumontsor. What's going on, Emil? I haven't seen you in a while. My opinion is we lost to the schedule. Traveling from San Antonio to Indiana on a back-to-back, and we looked tired and lacked energy. Yeah, yeah it's a fair comment. Um, but, again, they found an extra gear last year a lot. Didn't find it tonight. Sean Ford. Lonzo was the move. Great passer, shooter, length, size, hustle on D. Um, you didn't mention it. Uh, doesn't need the ball to be successful. I know his three-point shot has been a little up and down this year. Hit a dagger against the Nets. Missed a bunch of big shots against the Knicks last time. Almost cost them. It didn't. Um, Would have been a great fit. Would have been a great fit. Should have tampered. I don't buy that three-year $54 million of Fournier is appealing in a trade. It's not appealing in a trade. It's not appealing. I, if, I, if I implied that it is appealing in a trade, I misspoke. I think they can move the money if they need to. I don't think the money or the years is going to prohibit them from making a deal. I'll just say that. Um, but, yeah, agree on Lonzo. I would have loved to see Lonzo on this team. Neville Humphreys, are you, are you looking at, question mark, Obi and Julius combination is always, always out if separation. Why not play Obi the, the 3.5 minutes of the game? He needs minutes. I, I'm um, why not play OB the 3.5 minutes? So you you want him to you want Tibbs to play OB a little bit at the three with Randall, I think is what you're saying. Um, you know, I have a little bit more confidence in Randall and OB together at the four five than I do with them at the at the three four. Um, I don't think collectively with the way that especially with the way the centers on this team are moving right now i don't love any lineup that includes one of our centers and randall and obi against the team with i mean against really any any perimeter decent team in the nba um i have more faith with them at the four or five i know they didn't i know they didn't have it tonight but on nights where we've seen their perimeter defenders really get into guys and wreck havoc and the whole thing i think that combo can 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 work The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Dom, Cappuccini, what's going on, Dom? I was concerned about Deja Vu Denver with two minutes left in the first Allen and Wally are calling out Evan on D as the main leak. I, I don't disagree. RJ and Mitch were completely outplayed as or were outplayed as well. More Mitch for me than RJ, but I, as I said at the beginning, I didn't think RJ was good on defense. Three out of the last four games makes me view play in as a tough if. I mean, look, they're they're 11th place in the East. They're a game back of three teams, Atlanta, Boston, and Charlotte. They're a full game and a half back of Cleveland, and they are a full two games back of Miami, Philadelphia, and Washington. Miami is making the playoffs. Philadelphia, I believe, is making the playoffs. Um, Atlanta and Boston, at the very least, are making the play-in. I think they have a good shot at the playoffs. You want to tell me Washington comes back down to earth a little bit? Beal's been terrible, and they're 14-11. and 11. Um, Charlotte? Has gotten outscored on the year, have a winning record by one game, have not been healthy. I like this Hornets team. I think this Hornets team is going to be fine. I think they're going to be in it. So then what are you talking about? You're talking about Cleveland. You know, and again, I'm not saying the Knicks can't make a run and get into higher playing status. Hell, maybe they still have a run at a six seed or, or something in them. I think, look, I think it's going to be tough. I don't think we, you know, I know Atlanta or excuse me, Indiana was allegedly going to tank. They look like a tanking team tonight. Um, Toronto, like they'll fight. They'll be around. But like, man, I think Cleveland's damn good. Cleveland to me has been one of the best 10 teams in the league. I actually think you got a better chance of like Washington falling out of it. And right now they're, they're sixth. Right now, if you were a betting man, if you were a betting man and you were wise with your money, you would have to bet that the Knicks are not going to make the play-in. I would love for this clip to come back and bite me in the ass in a month or two months or three months when they are whatever game's over 500. But if, if, if we're just keeping it real right now, if you were to place a wager on whether the Knicks make the play-in or not, I think you would have to wager no. And that is not because they are a terrible team or even a bad team. It's because they play in an Eastern Conference where everybody's really good. Um, if they were in the West, potentially a different story where Portland, who has been fucking god awful right now, is in the play in and Minnesota, who has been inconsistent, uh, is in the play in. Um, Lakers are in are in the playoffs and they they have not been great. So that's, you know, my opinion right now. Um, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, Kenneth. Escalona, outstanding loss. <laughs> Jules again, refs. Uh, Evan lost. RJ just dunk it. Uh, that'd be nice. Uh, they are asleep. This will go tick, tick, boom. Uh, shout out to uh, Final Review uh, and our conversation on the Knicks Film School podcast about that movie. Um, come to come to your senses, Knicks and Lillard. So here's the issue. If everything you say is true and the Knicks are that far away, and like that lost, I'm not sure 
the move is to trade one or two or three young players plus two or three or four first-round draft picks for a guy who, you know, has not looked great this year, is not healthy, is 31, who wants to be paid $107 million over over a two-year extension that is still two uh, three years away. You know, I, I, I don't know if, if that's the move. Uh, Jeremy E., I think you're going overboard with your criticism of RJ inside the arc. Go look at his numbers over his prior three games inside the arc, 64.7%. So I agree he's been better at times inside the arc. I am picking on him for the last two games. But, like, even 64.7% inside the arc is it is good – how many of those baskets came in transition? That's what I would ask you. Because if you take away the transition buckets um, and you kind of have to parse this stuff out, there's no easy really way to do this. If you take away RJ's transition buckets, and I know this goes for a lot of other players who have very nice numbers around the arc, uh, or sorry, inside the arc, like they get transition buckets too. RJ Barrett's got down transition a ton this year. I think I looked it up two days ago. He was seventh in transition made baskets this year. Um, I don't see a player who has been really good inside the arc over the last 15, 16, 17 games. Thought he started off the year much better inside the arc. I think he has regressed a little bit. Um, I hope he gets better. Um, Kevin Danishevsky's back for more. Always contributing, Kevin. Thank you so much. On a bad night, I want to shout out Alec Burks. I, too, would like to shout out Alec Burks. Every night he brings it, even if I'm mad at Tibbs for where he puts him in, um, starting the fourth over Grimes. I can't ever get mad at the way he plays. Yes, good for you who wanted him benched for Grimes to shout out Alec Burks. Uh, Alec Burks has been um, very good for the Knicks this year. Leader of the Knicks Film School uh, newsletter star standings, by the way. Um I got you, Jeremy, prior to yesterday's game. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, Kevin Danishevsky back for more. Unlike Evan Fournier, not like everybody else. <laughs> well, a lot of a lot of Fournier hate tonight. And you know what? It's all deserved. Fournier stunk. Um, Lunas and Marat back for more. Bring back Pinson, the missing piece. We all know it. Hey, Theo Pinson was watching the game tonight. You know that because he tweeted about it. Man, I miss Theo Pinson. I really miss the opens. I, I, uh, I don't, I know whatever he's doing. I don't know what Wayne Seldon's bringing to the, bringing to the table, but give me Theo Pinson any day of the week. Robert boy, safe to say the Randall honeymoon is over. Um, I mean, it is for most people. Uh, it's not for me really. I've been frustrated with his inconsistency this year, and I've, I've tried to call him out on that. But I don't know. I just I don't I don't take lightly what he did last year. I've said this before. Um, you know, he, he made an All NBA team, made an All NBA second team. I keep I know I keep saying it. And I know it's probably falling on deaf ears at this point. But like, when you make an All NBA second team and you finish eighth in MVP for a franchise that has had exactly one guy do those things over the last 25 years, and his name's Carmelo Anthony, and everybody loves him, 
um, you know, and, and look past a lot of shit because he was mellow. I just, you know, Julius doesn't seem to get the same benefit of the doubt. And I think Julius's issues are a lot of the same issues that Mello had. And Mello was an incredibly frustrating player. And Julius is still a frustrating player. Um, I don't know what to do with Julius. He's been here for almost two and a half years. A year and a half of that has been not great. So what do you do? Um, I, I still believe in him and look forward to him continuing to try to figure it out. Um, but maybe I'll have egg on my face. We'll see. Uh, two more. Dan Hidalgo, at what point does Tibbs have to swallow his pride and just give the guys who are playing the best the most minutes in open competition? I mean, I think he's he kind of did that already um, with with Burks and, and, and Walker. Could he do it more? Absolutely. But again, he has to worry – I man, the Fournier contract thing is it, it keep, I keep coming back to it to, to stick him on the bench because then you still got to play him and you got to worry about how he looks with the bench. Which, I don't know. Um, Manny Ortiz, Claudio, you should tell John to talk about that OB dunk for a little positivity. I'll finish with the OB dunk. Uh, Chad Cohen, do you think we could send Evan to Montreal while in Canada? Not a bad idea. I am not cruel. So at least he can be with people who speak his language. All right. Let's finish on a high note. The OB dunk was one of the coolest things I have seen in a basketball game that was not a dunk contest. I still can't believe he did that. I can't believe he had the balls to do it. And I can't believe he pulled it off. And I can't believe it happened. Um, that kid is special. A special athlete. Um, you know, the last thing I'll, I'll say, I'll end on this note. I'll throw a bone to all the people who want to send Randall out of town already. Um, and this is not going to be a shot at Randall, although it'll probably come off as such. You know, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, Jeremy brought up what the Clippers did with Blake Griffin, who was, you know, as important as any Clipper player ever. It's either him or, or Chris Paul, right? Um, and they did the whole retirement jersey ceremony to get him to resign, gave him, you know, a, a max contract, the whole thing. It was, it was lauded, started out the year, played pretty well, and then just shipped his ass out of town. And, you know, they did what they did afterwards with Kawhi and Paul George. It's just, I, I do, when I watch this team, wonder if they just completely rejiggered everything. And, you know, just what it would look like. What it would look like without Randall on it. I do wonder that. And for anybody who is like, you know, wondering why I come to his defense so much. I come to his defense so much because I think he's earned it. But at the same time, I'd be lying if I sat here and I was like, oh, I don't think about what this team would look like without Randall on it. I think about it all the time. I think about it, especially when I look at the on-off numbers. Um, at the same time, they if they did that, they would not have a go-to player, um, a, a guy who could draw, draw attention. And as I've said repeatedly, he's the only guy that draws attention. I think it would probably – I think moving him out and, and giving Obi all his minutes would be like a stealth tanking move. Um, but I'm also curious to see what it would look like. I think they'd play with a lot of energy and 
it'd be interesting and fun. Um, that's all. That's all. I just wanted to at least acknowledge that, um, that I'm curious. And uh, I haven't been able to stop thinking about that since Jeremy brought it up on the pod. Um, but uh, I don't think Julius Randle is going anywhere, and that's probably for the best. Okay, that's it. Um, I will see everybody on Friday night, hopefully after a win. Certainly, hopefully after a better performance. And um, until then, everybody enjoy the rest of their week. Peace out.